Mars an hour or so ago. I was the only human in sight amid the tilt-rotor ospreys parked on that vast mat. They looked like medium-sized transports, except that they had an engine on each wingtip, and the engines were pointed straight up. Atop each engine was a thirty-eight-foot, three-bladed rotor. The engines were mounted on swivels that allowed them to be tilted from the vertical to the horizontal, giving the ospreys the ability to take off and land like helicopters and then fly along in winged flight like the turboprop transports they really were. I stopped by the door into the hangar and looked around again, just to make sure. Then I opened the door and went inside. The corridor was lit, but empty. My footsteps made a dull noise on the tile floor. I took the second right into a ready room. The duty officer was standing by the desk, strapping a belt and holster to her waist. She was wearing a flight suit and black flying boots. Her dark hair was pulled back into a bun. She glanced at me. Ready? Where are all the security guards? Watching a training film. They thought it was unusual to send everyone, but I insisted. I sure as hell hope they don't get suspicious. She picked up her flight bag took a last look around and glanced at her watch. Then she grinned at me. Let's go get him. That was Julie Gerard, and as I have said, she was crazy as hell. Me? I was just greedy. Three million dollars was a lot of kale, enough to keep me in beer and pretzels for the next hundred and ninety years. I followed this dingling, bloodthirsty female along the hallway and threw the puddles on the ramp to the waiting osprey. Julie didn't run. She strode, purposefully. If she was nervous, or having second thoughts about committing the four dozen felonies we had planned for the next ten minutes, she sure didn't show it. The worst thing I had ever done up to that point in my years on this planet was cheat a little on my income tax. No more than average, though. And here I was, about to become a co-conspirator in enough crimes to keep a grand jury busy for a year. I felt like a condemned man on his way to the gallows, but the thought of all those smackers kept me marching along behind old crazy Julie. We boarded the plane through the cargo door, and I closed it behind us. Julie took three or four minutes to check our cargo, leaving nothing to chance. I watched her with grudging respect. Crazy or not, she looked like a pro to me, and at my age I damn well didn't want to go tilting at windmills with an amateur. When she finished her inspection, she led the way forward to the cockpit. She got into the left seat, her hands flew over the buttons and levers, arranging everything to her satisfaction. As I strapped myself into the right seat, she cranked the left engine. The RPMs came up nicely. The right engine was next. As the radios warmed up, she quickly ran through the checklist, scanned gauges, and set up computer displays. I wasn't a pilot. Everything I knew about the V-22 tilt-rotor Osprey came from Julie, who wasn't given to long-winded explanations. It was almost as if every word she said cost her money. While she did her pilot thing, I sat there looking out the windows, nervous as a cat on crack trying to spot the platoon of FBI agents who were probably closing in to arrest us right that very minute.
I didn't see anyone, of course. The parking mat of the Air Force Base was as deserted as a nudist colony in January. About that time, Julie snapped on the aircraft's exterior lights, which made weird reflections on the other aircraft parked nearby, and the landing lights, powerful spotlights that shone on the concrete in front of us. She called ground control on the radio. They gave her a clearance to a base in southern Germany, which she copied and read back flawlessly. We weren't going to southern Germany, I knew, even if the air traffic controllers didn't. Julie released the brakes, and almost as if by magic, the Osprey began moving, taxiing along the concrete. She turned to pick up a taxiway, moving...